Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Annie and Brian, you have come here today to join your hand. Who presents this woman? This woman. This vow of marriage is most solemn. But she's not a woman, she's just a kid. And she's leaving us. And with a deep realization of its obligations and responsibilities. I realized at that moment that I was never going to come home again and see Annie at the top of the stairs. Never going to see her again at our breakfast table in her nightgown and socks. I suddenly realized what was happening. Annie was all grown up and leaving us. Did you guess the word? He said it twice. Leave, leave. This might hurt. A parent's job is to say goodbye. That's the saying. A parent's job is to say goodbye. And I might add, a child's job is to walk away. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Yeah, right? Both people have to be in on this. A parent's job is to say goodbye. A child's job is to walk away. Today we're going to look at the, uh, what is often called in the Bible the blueprint for marriage. It's a single sentence in Genesis chapter 2. It serves as a foundation for thousands of years. Look what it says uh, up on the screens. It says, this is God speaking. He says, therefore, uh, <clears throat> therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife uh, and they shall become one flesh. In that sentence, it's called a passage of primary um, reference. That, that sentence right there, and they'll use that phrase, the passage of primary reference, whenever a definition is given to something of substance, something that would matter, and that that definition would transcend time and culture. And so this passage of primary reference is defining what marriage is and has been that, that definition for tens of thousands of years. And you'll see in the life of Jesus, in the biographies, when he uh, is asked about marriage, he refers to this sentence verbatim. Uh, years later, maybe 20 to 60 years later, when Paul's writing his epistle to the Ephesians and the subject of marriage comes up, he refers to this, a passage of primary reference, because it is defining something as substantive as marriage itself. Now, while this, is, uh, while this sentence right, is, is somewhat well-known and is timeless, it is dependable, it is reliable, it's mostly ignored. This blueprint is looked over because may, maybe because it seems too simple. And one of the things that we'd like to uh, look at as we go through this series together is the power of the simplicity of this. Why is this so important for us? It's, it's so it doesn't matter if you're single, married, or a parent uh, with empty nesters or whatever it might be. It's important for us to, to know these five words. We've, we've packaged it and made it available to easily be memorized so that we can do our own diagnostic work in our own relationships, but also in the, the relationships of people around us. Every member at Grace, every believer is a minister. And so we'd like for you to have kind of a handy understanding of what five things to look for in any marriage. Because marriage is like most sports. If you consider, if you think about it for just a few moments, you'll see that most sports are usually four to six 
disciplines, right? Four or six moves or shots um, or swings or whatever they, they might be. And the difference between a beginner, right, and somebody that is absolutely the world's best at this sport is not that they've come up with different moves, right, or, or shots or strokes or applications, but rather these people have practiced and are able to have the discipline to do those strokes right, um, consistently. So good marriages are, marriage is five words. And a good marriage is those that have the discipline to do that consistently. And the newlyweds, they, again, they're new at it. So we'll look at the five words together and we'll see how it can help us in our relationships with other people, but also our relationship with God and if we're married with our mate. First word, leave. First word, leave. What does it mean to leave? What I'd like to do is I'll give you two word pictures to help you grasp what uh, leaving means. The first one, first word picture is cutting the cord. Leaving means, leaving means cutting the cords. And what I mean here is, is breaking the, the relationship bond between a parent and child. It's disconnecting, cutting the cord in the relationship between the child and the parent. And so it's the emotional dependence that a, a child has towards um, his or her parent, financial or security, right, uh, physical needs, all the things that makes, if it's, if it's consistent, right, what makes life easy and comfortable. And your job as a parent, right, is to say goodbye. And so you're constantly cutting cords. It doesn't start at the wedding vows of your son or daughter. No, that's, at, that's the culmination of it. And, and they... They have to leave. You have to leave for you to have the cleaving, the connecting, the gluing. And so it starts early on as a parent. You're supposed to be pushing them out the door, looking and building them into independence. And you're disconnecting this cord from you, right? Their security and their dependence. And you're connecting it back to themselves and, and to God. Saying, no, no, let's, this is a God thing. You need to trust God for this. So... Um, how, to, how to make money, how to earn money. You need to learn how to do this, and you need to learn to trust God to have an income. And then you must learn to trust God for contentment. That's, you'll never be richer than when you're content, and God can help you with that, right? So uh, how to have an argument effectively, right? We don't generally know how to do that, and we let our parents do it for us when we're young, and your parent is supposed to say, okay, well, I'm going to disconnect this. We're kind of done now. You've seen me model this. Now I'm going to connect this to you. You take responsibility for that, and you trust God for how this might happen and, and finish out. But you need to do what God says. That is, right, is as much as it's up to you, be at peace with all men. Right? Uh, finding friends, right? When, we're, when our children are young, well, we do play dates, we manipulate, we connive, we make sure they're making the right kind of friends. And then eventually we say, you know what, you need to learn to make your own friends. And you need to learn to trust God to make good friends. And you need to learn to trust God to be lonely. Because lonely is the tuition you pay for good friends. So it, it, this leaving does not start but rather ends when vows are given. The greatest gift you can give your child is to cut the cords. Cut the cords of dependence and, and security. Now, why is it so important? Why is leaving so important? Why does God start the five words? Why does he start with leaving? Because, because marriage is, is if, in a sentence, God would be saying, 
Marriage is for intimacy. Marriage is to understand how to know another person deeply and to and experience faith-filled living through trust. Okay. Since it's about intimacy, it's about trust. And there's no relationship like a marriage, and so there's no depth of trust that's required greater than in your relationship with your mate. And so leaving is the most important part of that because, because you're having to trust God in new ways. You're, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a radical commitment to your future, right? It's a radical commitment to your future by ending your ties with the past, your comfort, right, and your trust in the past. It's cutting those ties so that you can, like, you know, live anew. Um, that's in, 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 in weddings. Sometimes you'll see this, right? They'll, they'll have a, a mother come up and light a, a candle over here for one family and another one for over here. And then there's a unity candle uh, celebration where the new couple, right, they, they take those family candles and they light a new candle. And they're supposed to blow the other candles out, right? Blow them out. They're done. That does, that does, that, that's not, they have a new family now. Now, it's not just... It's not just so that you would connect with each other, because that would be way too small. Right? It is so that in this connecting with each other, you can learn how to have an adventure together to have intimate relationship with God. You'll be able to see things and do things, right? but you have to leave. You have to see things and do things in the nature of God, but you have to leave. You have to leave your parents. And, and leaving... You know, um, it's like the trapeze people, right? You, you, no matter how afraid you are, you can't go to this one. You can't grab this one until you let go of this one. You can't hold on to both of them. You have to let go. So you have to transfer your loyalties away, not to your, you know, away from your parents and extended family and things that made you safe so that you can go into the darkness and discomfort and the unknown to live this great adventure with God. Here's why. When you get married, you have a new calling. You, you have a, a, a new purpose. And you can see this in, in uh, the life of Israel where they built their economic system and even their military around this value that you have to leave and join to one another and embark on this new journey in your relationship with God together. Look, look what it says um, in Deuteronomy chapter 24. It says, The newly married man must not be drafted into the army or given any other official responsibilities. He must be free to spend one year at home bringing happiness to his wife that he is married. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to be Jewish before? I mean, you do now, right? <laughs> one year of a honeymoon for the most part. And what's it for? Because you have this new calling. You, you, now you have this person that you're supposed to turn out right, and gaze at. You're supposed to turn away from your selfishness, and there's this one unique person that you can know deeply and experience their soul. It's this one person that you're supposed to serve in ways that you won't serve anyone else. And so this idea of cutting the cord is, is letting go of customs and family and pressures and influences and baggage. It's breaking away. Now, what's interesting is when it was originally written, and for thousands of years, it didn't mean a physical leaving. Uh, quite, quite often, when the Israel was nomadic and, the, and people were nomadic, uh, leave your father and mother meant that you 
like moved into the next tent. <laughs> you just moved into the tent next door and you kind of traveled together uh, as your clan would. And when the houses were built, then you would get sometimes, if you lived in one house, you, you got your own room down the hall. It had some kind of a door. Some places were well enough that they would have their own house. They would move out and move into a small house outside. But here's the thing, right? In those Near Eastern cultures, those ancient cultures, they knew that they wouldn't be leaving physically, but they knew that they would be leaving in their new identity. They would be starting a whole new family. And their loyalties were no longer to the grandparents or parents or extended families. It was to be in a cocoon of protection so they can start a new thing, a new family, a new identity, a new journey in their relationship with God. Okay? So cutting the cords was purposeful to develop their relationship with God. And so what, what, what is the relationship with the parents? Now, they're friends, maybe, right? If they're good types of friends to have, but they, be, they become friends that can influence, but no more than anyone else can. That's what leaving means. That's what cutting the cord means. And so here's another word picture to help, because this will help with, especially when you see it like your parents or like any other friends, um, leaving means building boundaries. Leading, leaving means building boundaries. Now, before we use that word psychologically or in the context of our church, right, let's just think of it, you know, physically and literally. Boundaries are good things, right? When you have a boundary line, when you buy a house or something, that, right, the surveyor comes out and they, they say, this is the line that says on this side it belongs to you and on that side it belongs to them. And the reason we have boundaries is not to end relationships, but to prevent conflict in the future, it's to prevent disputes. It's to prevent wars from breaking out. Tall fences make good neighbors. High boundaries secure what's inside. And so just like their physical boundaries, and they're good for, for us, right, to get along better, so we, now we delve into this idea of psychologically and spiritually. The point is to trust, is to turn our trust in on the marriage and not to be encumbered and entangled by outside sources, outside relationships. So we're building boundaries around relationships that didn't need them before. So it, with our parents and with our siblings and our extended family and, and even, you know, right, people at work, the men and women that we have our hobbies with, the men and women that we play sports with, for example, our, our neighbors. And these people are now outside of our boundary, our community, because there's just two of us in here. There's just two of us. And the spirit of this is this, okay? The spirit is that I'm saying to my mate, right, that I'm willing to give up anything or anyone so that you feel safe, so that you feel that there's trust developing and growing. And trust, right, is about relational depth. This is about us. Right? We, we are going to form our world just together with the two of us in our relationship with God as we go through this life together. That's what the boundaries are for. It's not uncommon. If, if people can verbalize it, that's the hardest part. Sometimes you don't know what's nagging you because it's this loss of trust or lack of trust because boundaries aren't fortified. So sometimes um, you might hear someone say, um, you know, how can I trust you if you continue to allow your mother to come in and kind of wedge her way in between us? Why are those related? Because the mother is getting between because of loyalties, right? Because cords weren't cut, because boundaries weren't made. 
How, how can I trust you any deeper if we keep doing what your dad says to do? Trust and loyalty are related. And leaving means my loyalties are with my mate. It means it's about primacy and power. Who has primacy and who has power? So look, how do you leave? You know, how do you leave? So when it comes to leaving your parents, again, the idea of let's look at primacy and then we'll look at power in just a few minutes, but it means that you will forsake all others so that you two will be together. Think of it metaphorically on your honeymoon, right? You have the ceremony, sometimes the reception, and then, and then you flee right? together, but alone. Right? Don't take anyone on that. That's the point. The point is so that you can become one and with God. And, and that's to speak for your relationships. Primacy means that they are first. And, and the, the competition surfaces early sometimes in big ways, and sometimes, you know, it's death by a thousand cuts. Uh, early in a marriage, it's, you know, where do you spend Christmas, right? Who's, who's family? Who's allegiance? Who's, who's primary? Uh, sometimes when it's naming children, it's, uh, are there going to have family names involved? Uh, when we go on a vacation, should we vacation so that we can see a set of parents, or should we just vacation vacation, right? To, do I have an allegiance to my job who's going to take me out of a close proximity to my family? Or do I have allegiance to my family first? You're supposed to have an allegiance to each other first and foremost. Those are big decisions, but sometimes it's these little things like how many dinner dates are we going to have with the, pers- you know, the, the, the parents? How many times should you be calling your mom or your dad because now with cell phones and there's no such thing so much as long distance, you can talk a lot. And talking a lot sometimes takes away primacy. Listen, this is the first part in primacy. And you have to settle this. You're telling... It's, it's when you say, I will no longer care about winning my parents' approval because they don't count anymore. I, I, will, I will not be working my family, my mate, so that I might get a blessing from my father or my mother because that's not a value anymore. That, many times that's what the issue is. You know? Will you stop trying to win your parents' approval? Now, primacy shows up in that context. In another way, primacy shows up in, in secrets. In secrets. Uh, primacy says that there, there will be no words spoken or no messages sent that we will not share together. I will, I will not be part of dividing our trust by keeping something from my mate. You see, because when you share it with me, you share it with us. There's no access to one without access to another. You can't divide us. So um, a mother might call and say, listen, you know what? You don't need to tell your wife this, but uh, your dad would really love for you guys to come visit us this summer. He's been uh, a little bit depressed, and, and you don't need to tell him that. He'd be kind of be embarrassed. But if you, could, if you guys could come this summer, it would be great. Now, that sounds sweet, and maybe even her motives are pure. But hear this. She's manipulative and conniving and trying to control, Okay? 
And if, if you're new to this thing, marriage, that's what just happened. She's, listen to what she said. You don't need to bother telling your wife, oh, I'm going to bother. Oh, I'm going to bother. And then don't tell my husband your father. And then rearrange your schedule for us. So, listen, whether you go and visit them this summer, here's how you respond to that. You say, Mom, um, thank you for telling me those sorts of things, and I'll be sure to share it with my wife as soon as I possibly can because we make our decisions together, and I don't keep secrets from her. And I'll call and, I'll call and ask Dad how he's doing later on, and, and after we talk, uh, maybe we'll see if we're going to come and visit this summer. If you do that twice, okay, <laughs> you'll have cut some cords, okay? You'll have built some boundaries, and tall fences make great neighbors, okay? You're, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm honoring my spouse. She's primary. He or she is primary. She's above everything else. And you're asking this question, right, in primary, you're asking the question, would you live and die for me? Am I first, right? And w- have you given up the whole thing where your parents will give you a blessing? Do you care more about our trust and our unity more than parental approval? That's what, that's what we're referring to. That's what primacy means. Now, when we talk about power, again, what's the purposes of these cuttings and boundaries? We talk about power, and the, and the idea of power is when you, when you can say to your mate, there's no external source, you know, outside of God himself, and unless, of course, you have signed on to the military, you say nothing has sovereignty over the us. Nothing has sovereignty over me that would conflict with us. There's no, there's no family value. There's no ethnic value, right? There's no extended cultural thing. There's no job. There's no country commitment that I'm making here. No church, no social standing that's going to put you anywhere, right, near those things, right? I, I'm not going to put, they don't have control over me. They don't have power. I'll make decisions. Those are, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make decisions like that. It's going to be about us. There's no competition. Your mate rests when they realize there's no competition between you and another value that has power. Chip Ingram, he's a pastor that's on the radio, he tells a wonderful story about when he was teaching leave at a marriage conference. And during the break, a woman that had been married for a few years said, here, let me tell you a story about leaving. It's, it's strange. When we were newlyweds, about two weeks in, the honeymoon was officially over, and we had our first real fight. And there was yelling and screaming and crying, and, and I just thought, this is not at all what I thought was gonna, what marriage would be. And so I just said, you know what? Um, this is worse than I would ever have imagined. I'm going home. And so it was late. It was after midnight. And so I got in my car, and I drove across town I'm banging on my, my parents' door, and my mom comes to the door. It's 1 o'clock in the morning, and she just kind of looks through the window at the top of the door, and she said, what do you want? And I told her, I said, we just had this terrible fight, and, and I, this is not what I thought marriage would be, and I just wanted to come home. <laughs> so mom's like, this isn't home. This is where your dad and I live. Go home. Work it out. Drive careful. <laughs> she said to Chip, she said, that was the best wedding gift we could have possibly ever received because my mother was not going to let any power or authority or primacy be transferred. So where do you go when things, when things get difficult? If you can't go home, 
You should go. That's, that's why we do a lot of what we do here at Grace. We structured so much of this church around the idea of mentoring. In almost every expression of ministry, you will be exposed to someone that's older than you and maybe possibly wiser than you, that, but, but certainly safe. Whether it's in our adult Sunday school classes, our pre-marriage counseling is a, is a lifetime relationship with someone that you can go to. Right? Our re-engage ministry is led by group leaders that you could go to. So the idea here is, is that we want to provide you Get, so your application for today could be get involved in a great church that provides this because you'll need that. Your parents are difficult to go to because it's extremely difficult for them to forgive, you know, an offense against their child. And so, you know, marriage, A, have difficulties and you move on and your parents are still grinding their teeth at night. So you need to go to someone else. That's been our experience. My wife and I, we've had conversations that we're not going to get reconciled. And there's two couples here at church, and we just run to them. There have been times where I had a panic attack kind of sort of thing in, in my stuff. And I called the guy up at 7 o'clock in the morning and said, I'll be there in six minutes. Be on your knees. We've got to pray. He said, okay. You know, I'm glad I didn't share that with my parents. It wouldn't be appropriate. They couldn't get over it. Now, listen, there's some exceptions, okay? I just want you to know there's some exceptions. And the two that come to mind that are most pervasive in our church is, would be in a church our size is if there's physical issues going on. If there's physical violence in any way, then one of the, one of the things a person does in, before they ever strike you. So if, if, if your husband or your wife has ever you know, choked you or slammed you against a wall or headbutted you or done something physical to you, slapped you, okay, I want you to hear, you have to understand this. Don't call the church. Don't call that mentor. Call the police, okay, because this is serious. And before they have, if you think, if you think you've just opened a book and the first chapter is this slap or choke or whatever, I want you to know you're on your sixth chapter, and you've already gone through five chapters of some kind of an emotional experience that allowed it to happen in the first place. They have you under their thumb or spell in some ways, and there are five chapters in this already, and you can't see clearly. And one of, the, one of the strategies of an abuser is to isolate you. So if there's any physical content like that, you need to see at least someone with a badge and, and a counselor. Okay? There. Another experience that we have that, that kind of breaks kind of some of our rules around here is our overconnected families. And overconnected families are, are families that just won't let go. Historically, they don't let go. You can't get out. And so we recommend people move <laughs> a long distance away. And then when you go and you find a church, we have a number of people in that experience. You need to find a survivor of an overextended family because you're going to need someone to speak into your life about that's false guilt, that's not real guilt, and then they're going to give you courage. You need, you need understanding about what false guilt is, and you'll need courage to stand up and, and move on, okay? So let's not talk too much or, or dwell on the exceptions, but you, they need to be stated clearly. In summary, know this. M marriage is a place for us to know God and for us to know God in a different way. Marriage is a place for us to know that, you know, that, that, that God is glorious and good, we shout, God is glorious and good because of the level of intimacy that we can have with a fellow human being where we're gazing out, right, and enjoying and serving. It's a place uh, where we can say marriage is awesome. The purpose of marriage is to transform us, is to make us whole 
before there was ever a fall, it was necessary for Adam to have a wife and Eve to have a husband so that they might know each other, so they could serve and gaze together, to, so they could turn out in a very special way. It is a journey together into the realm of discomfort and fear. It's supposed to be because it's a journey in our relationship with God. It's not about control. It's about enjoying our faith-filled lives. Okay. So with, with that in mind, it's about building trust. Let me give, let's just look at three audiences, how we can apply today's leaving and just like, what's the next step for you? The first one was with parents, right? Parents, start now. You know, start now. A parent's job is to say goodbye. And so we're supposed to be working our way towards that, letting Letting go. Let me just say the reason we're having the Ken Wilkes seminar is, and there's a table in the foyer, and you can still sign up for this, is before we even met him, this was our model. And our model is our parent's job is to say goodbye. And he teaches it so um, efficiently, if nothing else, about where boundaries are and where your children need to start taking responsibilities and when you're supposed to back off and understand that this is the only way they're going to learn. Would you please consider attending that? Okay, but here's a lot of times the, the issue at hand with parents that won't let go. Okay, you cannot need your child too much. Okay, you cannot need your child too much. That's not the place of a child. They cannot be your, your source of, of affection and love. If you're not getting it in a marriage or some other source, you, that is not the person to be giving it to you primarily. You, you, again, we go back to our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, His Spirit overflowing in us. Okay. But, but, he, but your child, you cannot need your child for your identity. And that's, those are the sorts of things that a lot of times keep you from letting go. You, your job is to protect the place of your child, and that place is to be a receptor. Your job is to be giver. You're the grown-up. Turn out serve. So you need to learn that. You need to learn to trust God in that. Okay. So let me, uh, here's a good question for parents. Um, what's the next thing? What's the next step that you need to take in the life of your child so that they would become more independent? They would become stronger. They would be relying. What cable, right? What cord do you need to disconnect and connect to them and then the other one to God? Now, let's look at uh, people that are single, whether you're uh, single when you're young, if you're in, you know, I don't know, junior high, or whether you're 60 years old. Here's the question for you, right? What, what areas do you need to take responsibility in? Financial, spiritual, emotional, physical, whatever, right? What do you need to do to start cutting ties? Maybe you realize that your parent might need you too much, and you're going to help them trust God, you know, and can disconnect and they can connect that need to God instead. What's, what is your next step? Okay, the phone call could sound like, you know what, Dad, no more, no more checks. I'm going to apply for food stamps. I'm going to live on my own. I will do whatever it takes to start living out on my own. Your job as a human soul, right, is to grow your own backbone, right? Through the power of God's Spirit in your life, like we sang, that to lead you into waters that you're not used to, that you're not comfortable with, so you can learn right, to trust him. And trust means cutting those cords. If your parents won't do it, then you need to start doing that.
Okay, finally, married couples, right? Let's look at, you have uh, the study guide. So I think it's available in a PDF form now on our website. So do the questions together, but here's one. I think I might add one each week. Where are your loyalties? Here's what I'd like you to do. This could be tense, right? So I want you to, I want you to ask your mate this question. Is there some area in my life where you feel like my loyalties are not with you and our relationship with God together? Is there a primacy issue that you feel like you've been holding back and, and maybe afraid to say? What one thing, honey, would you like me to change to prove to you that I've left? Okay? This won't happen. This is not an easy conversation, and change doesn't happen overnight. But we're in this soup together, friends. We just need to be you know, marching in the right direction. So ultimately, because, you know, after, let me just, in summary, after the vows are said, what your relationship with your parents, if it's appropriate, can be very good friends. So let me say to the parents of adults that are married, you know, don't give advice, you know, until they ask, okay? Just be a friend that just there to support them. Uh, Let me give you some advice. If you're married and you have parents that are wise and um, the boundaries are established, you should ask for advice. <laughs> you really should. They know you very well. And if, again, there's not meddling and that sort of thing going on, then call them and ask them. Say, hey, I don't know how to buy life insurance. Dad, can you help me? I can. Sure. I, here, here's the phone number of somebody I trust. Okay, so don't give advice. Guys, ask for advice. And then last, if you're a parent of a married couple and you give advice and they don't take it, that's okay. <laughs> right? That's the last kind of step in it. Let it go. You're just a friend now. This is not an easy thing. A parent's job is to say goodbye, and a child's job is to walk away. Just this last, just a few months ago, we got a taste of this. Oh, our, um, our middle child, uh, our oldest daughter, she, in June, we sent her off. We sponsor children around the world, uh, in, the, in our living room mostly. But this was, the, this was the finish line. This was our last three months with her. And we said, okay, we'll sponsor you for another three months. Her dream was to go to New York and find a job. And so we said, we'll, we'll help you with the last three months, but you need to find your own real job and you need to find your own real place to live. And, uh, and within weeks, she found something that was beyond anyone's imagination and found a place to live that was beyond, uh, outside of the supernatural, you couldn't imagine this could happen. And so it happened, right? And so then it dawned on me uh, that she's gone. She is gone. And one of the things we were hoping for in, in, in parenting that each, each one of our three children would have an only child experience with us. And that's hard to do with three children. And so the first child gets that in the first you know, few months or years. And our last child, that's pretty easy. That makes sense because the other two are gone. And so Amy was able to spend two years with us where she got focused attention and love. <laughs> she would use different words, but <laughs> you understand. Well, so the middle child is kind of stuck in between always having an older or younger, but, but Carrie went to the University of Texas, and so the last two years when she was there, we spent more time with her than we would normally spend time with her. So uh, we went downtown and had some meals, and she'd come up here on Sundays and then hang out before she went back on Sunday night. And we just, the point was, uh, we had an only child experience with her. And it was beautiful, and we, we really connected, and, and Carrie and I have some overlapping values and philosophies and stuff, and 
So it's July, and I'm, it's starting to settle in that she's gone. And Melinda was off at work, and so I had the house to myself, and I was cleaning the kitchen. <clears throat> I was cleaning the kitchen. <laughs> I was cleaning the kitchen. <laughs> so I, I had music playing throughout the house, and, and then this old song, old classic rock song by Elton John came on, and, and I was listening to it, and, and it was one that Carrie and I really connected with. And I heard this voice in my head, and, I, and it said, just text her, you know, just text her. Just tell her how much you love those last two years and how you're missing her now and how you, how it, you just love her so deeply. And so I did. I, I started texting her and said that. I said, hey, I'm listening to Rocket Man. You know, Mars is a terrible place to raise a family. And, and I just want you to know I just miss you so much, and I'm so glad we had these last two years together. And then I, I hit the send button, and, but instead of... Instead of hearing the swish, I, you know, it went, I heard a ding, and I thought my phone was broken, so I looked at it again, and it turns out that she texted me at that exact moment, and she, she, was, uh, she was walking um, back from the grocery store, and she said this. She says, I'm tearing up. I'm crying I'm, because of how amazing you guys are. You materialized all my life dreams. I live in New York City. I'm carrying groceries. Visitors go to restaurants. New Yorkers go to grocery stores. And I just started, I started crying even more. And, and I just thought, this is parenting. You know, I'm crying because of, of the loss and she's crying because of the gain, right? I'm, I'm, I'm crying, I'm facing her and she's crying with happiness as she walks away from me. That has been our story. That has always been our story. Her first steps I helped her, and she was walking away from me. When she crossed the street, she went away from me. When she went to school, she stayed at school and met friends and left us. It's been that way. And now she's off in New York, and she's gone. But it is a good grief, friends, because a parent's job is to say goodbye, and a child's job is to walk away. It's about leaving. It's a good grief. Let's pray we can do that in our marriages, okay? Lord Jesus, we, we lift up this, um, this sad but true good grief. And Lord, I'd ask that you would help us participate in that. That you would, if, if we're parents, that you would help us understand that our job is to say goodbye and we can't need. Lord, if, if we, if you, let your spirit speak to us. If our need for our child is too much, could you help us just claim that as an idol and confess that as a sin and plug into you for our identity and for our love and for our significance that we might protect the place of that child? They're just, they're a child, not, they're not the grown-up. So, Lord, I help, would you help us... Uh, not be overconnected that way. Lord, and I'd ask that you would help us uh, stand strong. If we're adults, that we would be able to uh, get a perception of where we should be in our relationship with our parents, that we could leave them and maybe even initiate some of that if, if it's not being initiated by our parents, that we would be strong and courageous and we'd learn how to trust you for that and we'd learn to trust you for provisions and protection. Help us in that. Lord, let us be a church that understands the power of marriage and transformation, and that transformation starts with leaving. Help us, help us be good leavers.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.